From the Bates Motel, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two men who wouldn't even harm a fly, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Okay, so this week I'm already eating one of your cookies as the show begins because we're trying to compress the time. Now, these are the same cookies as last week. Mm-hmm. Tarragon and lime. No tarragon in this. Yeah, there is. There's not. Heck yeah. I, I'll, I'll go. I'll, actually, I still have the tarragon, the leftover tarragon. I'll show it to you. Well, I don't believe it. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't make it any less true. It's, it, it does if I don't believe it. There's, there's, there's okay. only, it's only one tablespoon worth, but it's there. So we didn't give that thing away last week. Yeah, so uh, actually... I, we, I don't even know what it is. We, we got this last week. It's some week. anime thing. It came to us from Funimation. It's creepy. It's a you triangle. Know what? You know what? Here's what we're going to do. It's a creepy anime thing. Here, it's here, a big stuffed animal thing. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to post this on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And the third person on the Facebook page... To say I want it, we'll get it. So you have to go on the Facebook page, see the picture of this thing, and it'll just say, you know, do you want it? Or here it is, do you want it? And the third person on the Facebook page to respond and say, I want it, we'll get it. Okay, but... No? Does that not work? Yeah, but the third person... Who's going to be the first person if they think they're going to be... I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody want to... No. Ooh, ooh, you should be the first person. <gasps> Better. That's a good idea. Better. Okay. So as you can tell, uh, uh, I have no knowledge of Facebook. Okay. I take that back. The first person. I guess, yeah, it's true. Why would you be the third freaking person? Uh, <laughs> it makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Okay. <laughs> Cookie's gone. <laughs> okay. So, okay. I take that back. Don't stop the recording. I'm not. First person. Well, believe me, if it embarrasses you, I'm not stopping it. Exactly. So we're going to put a, post a picture of this this thing, this triangular anime smiley it's a thing. Fr- it's a strange thing. I don't it really comes know. With... The thing is that there's nothing in the... Uh, it's something for uh, Funimation. Uh, I don't know what it is. Funimation, some crap. So uh, you, if you're the first person on the DigiGods Facebook page to uh, say, I want it or give it to me or something along those lines. It, it, came, it, it did come with a DVD Blu-ray set, but I haven't, even, I, I haven't even bothered looking at it yet. Oh, okay. it's, been, it's weeks off. Okay. Well, we don't know what it is. But I don't have time to get to that. We don't know what it is, but if you go on the Facebook page, it can be yours. Yeah. It's a little it, tiny it, plush doll that looks like a big triangular anime guy. It looks like something from your nightmares. Right. That's so, what it looks like. So go on Facebook now and uh, be the first one. All right. What do we got? Mark, we got we we don't have very really great new movies this week. Uh, this is kind of an odd off week, but we, we have music, we've got television. How about got, do you have uh, letters? Do you have, do you have any listener mail? We Wade? do have some listener mail. Well then what yes, the we hell, do. man? We'll do that later. We'll do that mid show. Uh, and then we've got a lot of classic movies, huge bunch of classic movies. British television, a few new movies, and then uh, some kung fu and martial arts stuff that I'd like yeah. to get through if at all possible. Yeah, I love that. Should I do stuff. that? Should I burn through this right now? Yeah, don't burn even burn through, through it. Take your time. We love martial arts. Burn through it. Well, it's all, you know, some of it's Hong Kong, not necessarily martial arts stuff. Uh, Chow Yun Fat in The Last Tycoon. What? Chow Yun Fat? It was from Wellgo. It's a Blu-ray. And uh, it, this is basically kind of a, a Scarface-y, Godfather-y, uh, gangster-y, epic tale uh, from Wang Jing, of all people. If you know anything about Wang Jing, Wang Jing's out of his mind. Craziest, most insane director in the in the history of Hong Kong. However, this was produced by Andrew Lau, not produced by Wang Jing. So Andrew Lau, who's a little more level-headed, of course, did the uh, the uh, well, gosh, so many great films. But of course, did the trilogy on which The Departed was based, 
the uh, Infernal Affairs trilogy. Uh, Andrew Lau, great filmmaker. Uh, he appears to have reigned in uh, Wang Jing a little bit because it's a more professional film than Wang Jing is usually capable of making. Wang Jing, of course, has done, you know, God of Gambler's films and the um, Jackie Chan's uh, uh, City Hunter and many other utterly insane efforts. Um, if you look at Wang Jing's filmography, it's just absurdly long. But anyway, uh, not bad. Really not bad. Great performance by uh, Chow Yun-Fat. I thoroughly enjoyed it which is more than I can usually say from Wang Jing movies. I also thoroughly enjoyed The Guillotines, which is an actual film directed by Andrew Lau and uh, produced by Peter Chan. Peter Chan is another... uh, I'm a huge fan of Peter Chan's as well, but uh, Andrew Lau really nailed this in the directing. This is um, kind of an homage to the history of the Flying Guillotine movies. And, of course, as anyone knows, I have twice done the audio commentary for Master of the Flying Guillotine, mm. which is one of the uh, original... It was the second of the Flying Guillotine movies. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What, what's that, what, what was that noise? Oh, was that a name dropping? Yes, it was. Absolutely. Mm, Master of the Flying Guillotine, baby. Gotta love it. Uh, a lot of fun Guillotine movies in the history of uh, Hong Kong. And uh, this is a throwback to those... Kind of, and uh, it sort of reinvents it for the present day. This is also from Wellgo. This is a terrifically fun movie. I uh, I can't say enough about it. Really, it it just it's just it's just great. Do you like it? I do a lot. Tony Leung, most recently on display pe- playing uh, Ip Man in the uh, the Grand Master from Wong Kar Wai, stars in the Great Magician. And uh, this is from uh, Derek Yi, who I'm a little uh, touch-and-go with as a director. This is also a well-go release. They do most of these things. It takes place in the 1920s in Beijing, and uh, it deals with uh, magic. Um, it wants to kind of be a uh, God of Gamblers type movie, except with magic, and uh, it's a little bit uneven. It's based on a novel. Which I'm sure plays probably better if you're uh, if you're familiar with the novel. It, it probably has some kind of a following um, in China. Um, otherwise, it's a little bit convoluted, and uh, it's I, I guess in some ways it's maybe aspiring to be uh, a little bit like the Prestige. Doesn't really hit on all cylinders, uh, but Tony Leung is always fun. The Assassin's Blade is a really really cool movie. Uh, again, this is also from uh, Wellgo. And uh, this is just straightforward, fantastic, outstanding action. Um, really, really great uh, sword play and just good set pieces. Uh, the um, it's they're touting this as being from the action director of Hero and the House of Flying Daggers. Um, I don't know if that's uh, really the best way to push this film, but um, really, really, you know, it's a little bit melodramatic, but the sword play and the action is really first rate. Let me blow through this as fast as I can. Let's see. Oh, this is a good one. Back to 1942 is the official Hong Kong submission for the Academy Awards this year. And uh, this is really a great historical, uh, great historical thing. Um, it goes back and it, it's a, it takes a little bit. You might want to do a little bit of homework if you're going to watch this just to sort of be familiar with uh, what, what was going on at the time. It doesn't sort of make a great effort to bring you up to speed. But uh, it, it definitely has some crossover appeal, as Adrian Brody is in it. And uh, it deals specifically with a moment in Chinese history in 1942 
when um, the war with Japan was compounded by all of these horrible, horrible, uh, catastrophic um, weather incidents, drought and and famine and all this stuff. And um, it's a, it's based on a novel as well, directed by Feng Zhao Gang, who's one of the big uh, commercial directors in China right now. And uh, it is a it is a wonderful, wonderful humanitarian, humanistic uh, period epic. Beautifully shot, beautifully put together. Definitely a first-rate film. Two and a half hours long. Has that old 1960s widescreen epic feel to it. And, uh, you know, with Adrian Brody and um, Tim Robbins in a very small part in it, it uh, definitely has a little bit of a kind of Western crossover appeal. So anybody who isn't normally inclined to uh, watch a Chinese film who wants some familiar faces, they will find a few things to hang on to. Um, Ip Man, The Final Fight is a great freaking movie. We love the Ip Man series. Well, there are two Ip Man series. There are the Tony Lee, the, the, uh, um, the, um, there's, there are the two films from Herman Yao, of which this is the second. And they sort of um, bookend the Donnie Yen films, which are a separate thing. So there have been five Ip Man movies from three different directors. The Grandmaster is one. The two Donnie Yen films, Ip Man 1 and Ip Man 2 are the other. And then there are the two Herman Yao films, of which this is the concluding chapter. And uh, the Herman Yao films are actually, a, a, um, I think, really, really good. He, Herman Yao, of course, has done a lot of uh, kind of horror, um, you know, the, the Category 3 horror films with Anthony Wong in the past. And he brings Anthony Wong, you know, an actor that he knows really well, back in to play Ip Man. And the amazing thing is Anthony Wong's not really a great martial artist. But they make him look like a great martial artist. And there's a bit here where he and another grandmaster, played by uh, Eric Tsang, who is also not a martial artist, they have a great fight, kind of a mano a mano between two grandmasters. You would never know that these guys are not expert in because they look expert the way it's choreographed, the way it's executed. It's just absolutely beautiful. And the film essentially takes place um, in the later period of Ip Man's life. It, it overlaps a little bit with some of the stuff that you may have seen in The Grandmaster. So if you've seen The Grandmaster, you'll go, oh, I get it, it's this and that and so forth, and then it'll confuse you because then it detours into areas that are not at all historical but still make for a really, really great movie. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the last 20, 30 minutes of this are sensational. It is a really good script and has some just wonderful stuff in it. It's really, really great. Uh, so that is Ip Man, The Final Fight with Anthony Wong, directed by uh, Herman Yao. Probably going to be the last Ip Man movie. I don't see anybody. I know they're, they're trying to do another Ip Man uh, with Donnie Yen, but I just don't see that actually happening. And then really quickly, uh, Dragon is uh, a Peter Chan film. Peter Chan, who produced the um, the uh, Andrew Lau film that I just talked about a second ago. Um, these guys all produce and you know produce for each other and direct for each other. Uh, this is great. This is Dragon with Donnie Yen, previously mentioned, of the Ip Man films, and uh, Takeshi Kaneshiro, and it is pretty great. It was previously called Wuxia when it was released uh, or shown at the Cannes Film Festival, and then they changed the title to Dragon. I don't know if that's a great idea. Uh, I think they probably felt that wuxia wouldn't mean anything to most people. Wuxia, of course, is the uh, the literary and filmic genre specifically oriented around uh, wire work and kind of fantastic events and things of that sort. Um, anyway, they, they changed the title. Dragon doesn't really have any greater meaning, but it's... Uh, it's a great story. Donnie Yen is a uh, is a mysterious man who is kind of living a uh, uh, let's just say he used to, he's living under an assumed name, and uh, some gangsters show up and put at risk his anonymity 
his kind of self-imposed uh, police, you know, living in under uh, what, do you, what do you call it when you're in protection? Witness protection. protection. Witness protection. Thank you. He's kind of in his own self-imposed witness protection program. Let's put it that way. Anyway, uh, and from there, the intrigue really, really uh, unravels, and you find out who he was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Takeshi Kaneshiro plays this uh, kind of Sherlock Holmesy investigator, and there are some really, really clever scenes that are they're really, really great when he's trying to put together what happened in a given situation, and he's kind of piecing it all together. It's a little bit like in the uh, the Sherlock Holmes films with Robert Downey Jr., where you get the voiceover and you're kind of you know living through the way things fit in his head. A little bit like that, but I think even better. So that's a really terrific film. Um, all of these on Blu-ray, by the way, just really good-looking Blu-rays. Wellgo does almost all these, and they do such fantastic work on Blu-ray. And then, um, uh, finally, another Wellgo film, The Four. This is from Gordon Chan, who is still one of the great action directors in Hong Kong. And uh, it is just a straight-up, over-the-top, absolutely uh, off-the-hook, supernatural spy period thriller Hong Kong film like only they do in Hong Kong. I can't even begin to explain what this is about. You just have to watch it. It's completely off the hook. It's totally out of control. It is an absolute total ride. It is a total ride. You're going to definitely want to check this out. If you're a fan of the genre, The Four from Gordon Chan. And then lastly, on the bargain front, a couple of titles from Mill Creek. Uh, Flying Fists of Kung Fu contains 12 movies, and Kickin' It Shaolin Style also contains 12 movies. Uh, these are just old uh, kind of uh, independent Kung Fu movies that would have vanished, and they are not taken from really great source material. But uh, look, you get a, a dozen films on each of these sets, and um, you know there's some good stuff and there's some crappy stuff, but it's, it's fun to throw on in the background and just enjoy. A couple of the better movies, uh, Crane Fighter from uh, 1979, is is not bad. Shaolin Kung Fu from 1974, also not bad. Uh, Shaolin Brothers from 1977, pretty good. Best one of all of these is probably uh, Phantom Kung Fu from 1979, just because it is so campy and so ridiculous. It, 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 you just can't believe it. Uh, anybody actually took it serious and that they shot it. So anyway, uh, a lot of great stuff here. Old. Uh, so the, uh, the two sets are Kicking It Shaolin Style, 12 movies. And uh, Flying Fists of Kung Fu, also 12 movies. Mark, music us. Oh, music. What do we got this week? Well, it's kind of a mixed bag this week. Um, we do have a, uh, a DVD called East End Babylon. Now, this is the story of the, uh, the Cockney Rejects. They were part of the um, there's sort of this um, genre of music called the Oi subgenre. It's very loud and very laddish and very hooliganish, and it's not really my thing. However, these guys tend to come from very working-class British backgrounds, and I really do love that sort of environment. I just find it totally fascinating how these guys just survive in these ridiculous British towns. That's all just you know industry and noise and beer and just rough times. So uh, this is the story of the Cockney Rejects and what happened to them, which is basically not much. Uh, so it's good stuff. It's... Um, Directed by uh, Richard England, and uh, the band members appear in it, and they tell their own story. And so um, that's it. If you know the Cockney Rejects, go for it. Uh, I doubt you do, but again, if you do like that environment, which I like, East End Babylon could be kind of an interesting little watch. Uh, So that's that one. Next, we have uh, CeeLo Green. He has been playing at at Planet Hollywood in Vegas. 
And he's got this new Blu-ray called Loberacci, Live in Vegas. Now, I'm hot and cold on CeeLo Green. I think F.U. is like the greatest song ever written. I just think I that agree. song it's is unbelievably entertainingly hilarious. Every time I listen to it, I never get sick of that song. Never. Which, by the way, is here under the title Forget You, because I don't want to yeah, use the actual lame. F word. That's lame. But otherwise, there's, like, there's maybe about 20 different songs on this thing. And, uh, you know, he's a pretty good performer. I, I didn't really he's know much producer, about him. better producer than he is a performer, well, i got to say. And he's a great performer. Well, but... I, I saw him at Jazz Fest. It, yeah. He played, jazz, he played uh, jazz Fest in New Orleans two yeah. years ago when I was there. Really? And he drew an incredible crowd. Wow. And I was all the way in the back because I wasn't all that interested because I was like, eh, I'd rather watch like some local blues band that's way more interesting to me than to fly to New Orleans just to see CeeLo Green. But he drew a hell of a crowd, and he did a good job. So, I, you know, I was a little bit impressed. But um, I don't really like a lot of his music. I like the, what's the, the Gnarls Barkley thing? That was him, right? Yeah. Uh, I, some of that crazy. He was lead singer of Gnarls Barkley. Yeah, some, some of that stuff is good. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't like all of his stuff, but I, I like more of his stuff than I think I would readily admit. And then again, uh, Forget You is the greatest song ever written. Did I totally. mention that? Yeah. Pretty Antebellum is a band uh, that uh, good country stuff. It's good country good stuff. Good country, I they, like them. They get covered a lot on uh, on E. I notice because uh, the lead singer I think had a baby or got married or something like that, and that's really all I know about them. So anyway, this was um, recorded uh, recently at and uh, at a, uh, a symphony center in Nashville. And I'm not that familiar with their songs. I like some of this stuff. The thing is that there's a lot of Christmas stuff on this um, this thing. And it's a little early for something called uh, Live on this Winter's Night, but I guess you can get a jump on it um, sure. and hear them sing, uh, you know, Holly Jolly Christmas and I'll Be Home for Christmas and Silver Bells. Um, Lady Antebellum does all of that on this new Blu-ray. All right, my pick of the week is uh, Springsteen and I. Now, this is a crowdsourced documentary from Bailey Walsh, and thousands of fans submitted entries. There are little videos of Bruce Springsteen talking about Bruce, uh, you know, live video brews on stage and Bailey Walsh, the director, put all of these together, weeded through all the bad ones to bring you almost two and a half hours of great Springsteen stuff. I, of course, revere Bruce Springsteen, so I love it all. Um, this is definitely a a passion letter from the fan. So if you're not into the Springsteen thing, this would not be the place to start. But there are amazing stories about what Springsteen means to these fans. And, of course, there's a lot of great music and a lot of great humor. And I think this thing is just fascinating. It's a different way to experience Springsteen. It's a different way to understand what he means to their fans. Because, again, there's a real connect. I've seen Springsteen in concert like, you know, five times, six times. And he has a connection with fans that is like no other rock and roll star. He has a way to make an arena of 20,000 people feel like he's playing the local bar. I don't know how he does it. It's just his thing. That's what he does. He is an effing genius. And uh, I feel like he's almost underappreciated, oddly enough. Um, so anyway, this is good stuff. Springsteen and I, folks, you got to get Springsteen and I. If you love Springsteen, if not, I'd probably pass on it. And finally, uh, Move Me Brightly is a documentary which is uh, which commemorates Jerry Garcia's 70th birthday. Jerry Garcia, of course, the lead singer of um, Grateful Dead. So we have a bunch of people singing um, Grateful Dead songs. You got Phil Lesh, Mike Gordon, Mike Campbell from uh, Tom Petty, Luke Wilson, believe it or not, does a bunch of interviewing for it, Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction, Sammy Hagar from Van Halen. So uh, you got these guys singing a whole bunch of uh, Jerry Garcia songs. So this is good stuff. If you love the Grateful Dead, you love Jerry Garcia, uh, I would definitely check out Move Me Brightly. Again, it's a little bit of a... um, 
it's a little bit of a stretch if you don't know the band or you're not really hip on like uh, you know Carlos Santana, uh, but it's good stuff. I would check it out. Sweet. Go. All right. So I'm going to blow through some British television, and then we'll get to uh, new movies and classic movies, and uh, probably some television as well. Um, you know, there's a British show called In the Flesh. Mark, have you heard about it? I have not. It's really good. Uh, I am not a huge fan, as many people are, of the, the what is it, The Walking Dead, the friggin' AMC show. Yeah, it's just, Walking uh, Dead. Yeah, whatever. Zombies. Come on. It's, 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 zombies it's, it's, rule. It's, oh, come on, zombies enough. rule. I know. Well, this is, good stuff. This, is a, this is a zombie show, but it's like an intelligent, intellectual, kind of plotted zombie show, because you actually feel for the zombie characters. You know, there's a... There's, they're there's not a, supposed to be characters. They're dead people. Uh, but see, that's what makes it interesting. That's what it makes it interesting. The zombie, a, do, 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 or do you see the zombies like ordering espresso? This and, teenage uh, kid, he died, he committed suicide, and now he's back, right? But there's all, things are going on in the world and others are coming back too. And it's, it, it approaches the whole politics of zombies from a, a psychological perspective that is really interesting. It's zombies totally, have no politics. It's totally unlike anything you've ever seen. It's a, really, it's a sharp show, man. It's a sharp show. So uh, that's called In the Flesh from uh, BBC. Definitely cool, man. Totally cool. Um, I actually totally vibe to it. Uh, Cook's Country, uh, you know, season six. It's freaking cooking, man. It's just a lot of great food, and it gets very depressing at a certain point because it makes me realize just how limited my uh, my culinary skills are. I've got to really improve here. There, are, he, let me. I'm just going to name you a, a few things here that made me absolutely flip out watching them. Um, uh, peaches and cream pie. I, I, I started to gain weight just watching it. Uh, unbelievable. And cream cheese pound cake. Are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Yummers. Oh, my gosh. Amish potato salad to die for. Absolutely to die for. Uh, one thing that I'm definitely going to try out is the slow cooker minestrone because I love minestrone soup, but it's uh, kind of a pain to make. Uh, they got a slow cooker version here. It's fantastic. Looks like it's the easiest thing in the world. I'll probably change my mind when I try it. And then uh, here's some stuff that Mark will probably be into. Magic chocolate flan cake. That sounds like something you would do, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, there's a really, really good uh, herb roast chicken recipe that I'm going to have to try out and uh, deeply offend Mike Rotman by uh, eating it in front of him. So anyway, lots of great stuff in here. This is a great series. Uh, you know, everything looks good. It's just, it'll just make you frustrated at how inabil- unable you are to actually make this stuff. The Fall is a terrific show. Gillian Anderson, what happened to her after the X-Files? Well, she's been making movies in the UK. and she's She been really making, has, she's, man. She's got this whole other career going on. It's a on. whole UK thing. It really does. She, she went to the UK kind of like uh, Kristen Scott Thomas went to France. Yeah. You know, it's a similar kind of a thing. Just exploring an expat career. Not a lot of great roles for her here. Nobody's giving her good offers. So uh, she stars in this fantastic show, The Fall, which is uh, uh, just really, really an impressive show. Um, where she's chasing down a serial killer. It is a, uh, it's a little bit of a, you know, a, a Silence of the Lambs deal, but it's really well written. It's very, very smart. And uh, she does a great job in it. This is the first series, and it includes only one little featurette, five episodes from the first series. It's, you know, it's British. Remember, they only do a few every, every season, but it's a, it's a good show, really well done. Uh, Line of Duty, the first series. This is a little tougher to kind of wrap yourself around. Um, it deals with uh, the politics of uh, in working inside a, uh, an investigative unit in the, uh, in the police department in the U.K., uh, it is, uh, it's very talky, it's very, very plotty, um, and unless you really, really understand the inner workings of the, uh, the, the way the police operate in the UK, it might kind of lose you. Similarly, 
this uh, series one of Silk, another BBC series, is a l- also lost me a little bit. I, I acknowledge it's incredibly well done, really well written, first rate in every way, but the maneuverings of the legal system in the UK kind of mystify me a little bit. The idea here is that you've got a competition between lawyers, barristers, uh, who are trying to become part of the uh, Queen's Council. Uh, I watched three episodes of this, and it took me by the third episode to actually fully understand what the hell the Queen's Council is, and I'm still not sure that I totally have a handle on it. But it is, it's, it's, it's well done, but you kind of have to know what they're talking about to begin with. We have talked about the uh, last of the summer wine, the Roy Clark series that just will not freaking end. This is Vintage 2000. Nothing has changed. Same actors, same silliness, very funny. And uh, the show just does not end. Uh, last Tango in Halifax is a, is a really sweet show that uh, does this thing that they keep doing on British television. Um, you, you might remember, you know, uh, Judy Dench and uh, uh, Jeffrey, uh, um, what's his name, did this previously in... Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer? No, 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 no. Jeffrey with the... With the oh, frick, I can't Thomas remember Thomas Jefferson? No, no, no. As Time Goes By was the previous series. This is very As Time Goes By-ish. Um, Derek Jacobi. And Anna Reed play a couple of uh, an elderly couple who were childhood sweethearts. And then 60 years later, they find each other all over again through the Internet and uh, renew the romance. It's lovely. It's beautifully done. But they got this thing about old people who rekindle old romances, and it's a very strange U.K. obsession. And then a heap of Doctor Who stuff here. Uh, I'll go through Lame. Real quickly. Lame. Uh, Doctor Who, Terror, Terror of the Zycons yes. or Zygons no, from the Tom stop. Baker years. Just, just stop it. Just, it's the worst. Uh, Come on. I'm, no, I'm just it's going a through phone quickly. booth for Christ's sake. I know. Uh, from the John Pertwee years, the Green Death uh, special edition. This is all from the 70s. The 1870s? And then uh, this is the stuff that's really cool. All from the John Pertwee years, uh, Spearhead from Space on Blu-ray. This is the uh, first ever classic Doctor Who Blu-ray release. This is going to come as a really, really welcome thing to a lot of people because uh, the video quality back then was so crappy that when you put it on Blu-ray, now you really, really realize how crappy the video quality was back then. And that's important, I think, to you know, bring the crappiness of the television video quality into, I, into the I, age of Blu-ray. You know what? This is all you. I, I, I got nothing to say about Doctor Who. I don't get There's Daleks and there's a I phone really, booth and I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get why they're putting on Blu-ray. That's what I don't get. And then uh, this is a thing that they've been doing kind of uh, ongoing. The, uh, the, the Doctor's Revisited. And uh, this is you know Doctor's 5th uh, to 8th after 1st through 4th. And uh, includes uh, complete stories, Earthshock, Vengeance on Varos, Remembrance of the Daleks, and Doctor Who, the movie. A few special features for all of them. And, uh, you know, you got to be a Doctor Who fan. That's all I'm saying. All right. Mark, Mad TV. Mad TV. Uh, Why is it popular? I don't know, Wade. This uh, this was like the 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 idiot stepbrother of. Uh, and our good friend Dave was a costumer on this show for that, the longest time. Too. That is true. Full this, dis- full disclosure. Well, you know what? You would think that meant I was going to praise this thing, but I think the show was stupid. It was just it was really was just the the, the idiot stepbrother of uh, SNL, no, I and know. I never thought the show was funny. I, I do think Frank Caliendi's um, uh, stand up is hilarious. Yeah, that guy I agree. does a lot of great stuff. Um, and they're, they're, you know, there are good people who came from it. Phil Lamar came from this. Will Sasso, mm-hmm. he's still kind of around. Um, but a lot of these other guys, well, Alex, Alex Bornstein was on this. Alex Bornstein, of course, is the voice yep. of um, uh, Lois uh, 
uh, Lois Griffin on Family Guy. Otherwise, this thing is way more missed than hit. And I, it just it never got any traction. And I don't know why Fox kept sticking with it. I guess they had nothing else going on. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I would just pass on this stupid thing. The complete fourth season of Mad TV. Aye. Now, Wade, uh, we have Dexter. Now, the final season of Dexter, this thing wrapped up, I would say, probably a season too late. And I got to say, I'm not going to give away what it was, but the whole finale, like the actual last episode. I heard it was crap. When you find out what happens. And I watched it. And you find out what happens to Dexter. Are you kidding me? Really? I mean, I waited like 17 seasons for that. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, I... I a hurricane I, in a boat? Okay. Stop that. All right. Stop that. <laughs> Terrible. So this thing really kind of came in for a, uh, a very rough landing. I, again, I think this thing ended about a season too late. Because you know what? The thing is, is that some of these shows, if you've got nothing to replace them with, you've got to keep going with them. If people are still talking about it, you kind of have to ride that train. I mean, you know, again, Showtime, it's, it's not like the networks where... ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, they have to constantly crank out sitcoms, dramas, every season. It's a factory. Showtime can just, or HBO, they can just crank out a couple of originals, and that's all they need to worry about, because otherwise they're just showing movies. So they tend to back these horses for a long time, and sometimes they're not that great. Dexter was great for a few seasons, then it kind of just died, and by season eight, you're like, whatever. So uh, there you go, the last season. But then again, if you already have the previous seven seasons of Dexter on Blu-ray, you might as well get this one too. Yeah, all right. And then we've got uh, a couple that are sort of throwaways here. Only if you're a huge fan of these shows. Stan Lee's Superhuman Season 2. Uh, you know, just the, the this is the ongoing mythification of Stan Lee in the most bizarre and peripheral ways. This has absolutely nothing to do with Stan Lee or, or comic books or superheroes or anything. Uh, it's just using Stan Lee to kind of explore a, a, a pulpish approach to evolution and, uh, it, it, you know, how people evolve and how animals evolve. And it's, just, it's, it's almost like uh, That's Incredible with Stan Lee's name attached to it. And some I used to love That's Incredible with that's, John Davidson, Kathy yeah. Lee, uh, Crosby, and um, well, that's what Byron it is. Allen or whatever it was. That's what it is. It's basically, I mean, basically it's just all just weird people who do strange things and, you know, are these the next, are these like the next X-Men? Whatever. It's, you know, yeah, these, they're all kind of freaks and I guess they missed the auditions for uh, X Factor so that they get to be on this, you know, Stan Lee branded show. Whatever. It's you know mildly interesting, but nothing that uh, merits you know. Uh, it, maybe if you want to rent it or catch it on Netflix or something, if they've got it. And then uh, the best of Dance Moms, the championship dances, uh, is for some very sick people. Uh, I, I don't really understand the uh, the appeal of these shows about children that are pushed into uh, extreme situations. This is like one notch removed from Honey Boo Boo. I don't, I can't really uh, condone this. But there it is. It's uh, two discs: the best of Dance Moms, the championship dances. And last but not least, by any sense, is an absolutely outstanding collection of nine documentaries. Uh, this is Nine for Nine, and uh, it's from the producers of 30 for 30, and this is a great, great series. This is from uh, ESPN Films, and if you didn't see this, these are nine documentaries that were on ESPN all about women in sports, and they are absolutely superb, especially uh, considering that they gave the filmmakers almost complete free reign to do what they wanted. Uh, Ava DuVernay, who is a publicist that uh, many of us worked with for years and before she became a filmmaker and then went on to become the first woman ever to win Best Director at the Sundance Film Festival, and now she's directing uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, Martin Luther King biopic. 
the the uh, Memphis really the Memphis uh, film interesting yeah. yeah there's two Martin Luther King biopics coming out the hers is the one that uh, is going to be a lot edgier and uh, she's just a, a fantastic filmmaker she does the first installment here Venus Versus which is all about Venus Williams and what she did in uh, you know kind of just the amazing way that she pioneered all kinds of uh, new avenues especially for uh, for young black women. And uh, then you've got Pat XO, which is about the um, Pat, the coach Pat Summit of the University of Tennessee Lady Volunteers, who is like this amazing, like the greatest coach in the in the history of uh, women's basketball, and she's now fighting Alzheimer's. Uh, other great episodes here include Swoops, which is an episode about Cheryl Swoops, who of course is you know an amazing WNBA player who came out as gay. That's directed by Hannah Storm. Hannah Storm. What? Yeah, Hannah Storm directed that. Hannah Storm? Hannah Storm. You mean the, the sportscaster? Caster? Yeah, she directed that. Wow, good for her. And Hannah's really great. You know, Hannah's married to, uh, what's his name? Uh, well, Johnny Storm from the Fantastic oh, Four. Oh, stop. No. Uh, was, come on, that was a good one. That was funny, Johnny yes. Storm from the Fantastic no, uh, Four. No, another ESPN guy. Oh, Johnny Storm from the Fantastic Four. Yeah, another, another sportscaster whose name I always forget. <laughs> And then, uh, of course, the one that I love here is the eighth one, the second to last, the 99ers, which is a look at the 1999 Women's World, uh, World Cup National Soccer. Yes, Dan Hicks. Uh, Hannah Storm's married to Dan Hicks. Anyway, well, the no, ni- isn't Hannah Storm the one who got uh, all that bad plastic surgery? No. No, well, Hannah Storm's awesome. Really? Yeah, she's awesome. Love her. Um, she and Dan Hicks, by the way, both started on CNN Sports Late Night. Fascinating. Yes. Just want to let you know. I remember They've when They've been they married both. since 94. Yep. They're awesome. They have three and children. The 99ers is uh, all about the U.S. women's national soccer team that won the World Cup in 1999, which I saw live with my face painted, holding a great big sign above my head at the Rose Bowl. I was there. That's great. And uh, what a great documentary. That just totally captures the moment, and it was just an immense moment. So Did nine you? for nine from ESPN Films. You've got to get this. If you're, a, if you're a fan of women's sports, this is like the greatest document of, of the importance of women's sports you'll ever see. And uh, it, it, first rate, just yeah. first rate. Okay, now here's the thing. I, I'm reading this right off the page. So, folks, this is not edited or I'm, I'm not going through this to tighten it up. Um, on January 1st of this year, there was a story of the UK Mail Online about how Hannah Storm was burned in a grill explosion what? at her Connecticut home in front of her daughters. You're kidding. An emotional Hannah Storm has spoken of how she was set on fire in a horrific barbecue grill accident at home in front of her daughters. That's the, awful. The ESPN anchor told of her ordeal to colleagues, to colleague and close friend Josh Elliott, breaking down in tears as she relived the moment that she shouted to her daughters, Mommy's on fire, call 911. Oh my gosh. What the hell? Suffered uh, first and second degree burns to her face, neck, hands, and chest. Oh Lost gosh. her eyebrows, eyelashes, and roughly half her hair. I had no idea. As a grill's propane tank exploded in her backyard. Well, that's an argument against propane. Jeez. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Wow. All right, start talking about stuff, Wade. Okay, horrible. Uh, wow, that's awful. I had no idea. All right, we're going to uh, let's blow through some classic movies. And then we'll uh, wrap out with the, the newer stuff. Uh, you know, there are some just bizarre things that have come out lately. And one of the most bizarre oops, is the Blu-ray DVD combo pack of uh, collector's edition of Body Bags. Mark, I didn't even know this movie existed. Are you familiar with this? John Carpenter produced this and acts in it. Acts in it. Directed by Toby Hooper. Ooh, very when, uh, early 80s. 1983. Really? 93. 
Where did this come from? This is from the, the Shout Factory people as part of their Scream Factory brand. And I, I looked at this and I just thought, how is it possible that in 1993, when I was already three years into being a professional film critic, that I never heard of this? How is this possible? It's John Carpenter. It's Toby Hooper. Where did Body bags? Where did this come from? And we love John Carpenter. We love John Carpenter. Uh, this is just utterly surreal. So I, I have no idea where this movie came from. But it's uh, it's basically an anthology film, and uh, it kind of follows the um, the creep show, you know, motif. It's okay. Um, but, man, it just it came completely out of the blue. Mark Hamill is in it. Um, plays a baseball player who gets an eye transplant. Boy, does that not work out quite as he expected. Um, Deborah Harry shows up. Uh, Twiggy, Sheena Easton, Stacy Keach, who I uh, who I just saw the other day, by the way, at the supermarket. No, no. Stacy Keach is in Nebraska. You oh. know that, right? Oh, have you seen Nebraska? I've seen Nebraska. Is it good? Uh, it's really fantastic. Really? Yeah, I went and saw it at Ray's class, and Stacey Keach was there as a we, guest. We are not going to give that movie Best Picture, are we? We, we? we may. We give every... You know what? It's every just, time Alexander Payne makes a movie, we give it Best Picture. Le- I know. We, we give it his last two or three Best Picture. Yeah, I know. Because people like him. Because he's an awesome dude. I mean, this year will be... Un- I think it would be unlikely. There are just too many other just mega contenders. But, uh, boy, he's a nice guy. Yeah, whatever. He's been nice ever since college. Uh, anyway, so this is um, and, Jane, and Stacey Keach was there. He actually came to the class. That's cool. Yeah, he came with a couple of the other with the writer and uh, the woman who plays um, uh, plays uh, Bruce Dern's wife, and uh, it was pretty pretty cool. So anyway, a bunch of featurettes and an audio commentary with producers uh, with producer Sandy King and uh, Justin Beam on the episode I aforementioned, and uh, there's an audio commentary with Carpenter and Stacey Keach on the episode called Hair. Another audio commentary with John Carpenter and Robert Carradine on the episode The Gas Station, which is just creepy as all hell. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, uh, this is just a strange movie from out of the blue that I never heard of in 93. But there it is, Body Bags, from John Carpenter and Toby Hooper, 1993. Speaking of bizarre movies, uh, the good folks at Kino, who always come up with these little bizarre films and do always do a good job packaging them, on Blu-ray and DVD, is uh, the bizarre 1978 Western Shoot the Sundown. This is with uh, Christopher Walken and Margot Kidder. I mean, come on. Yep. Christopher Walken and Margot Kidder. I know. That's very 70s, isn't it? It is. Uh, Walken plays a uh, Confederate, uh, uh, he's a Confederate soldier. He's now become a bounty hunter. And you get into, like, you know, Montezuma's gold and and. Buffalo hide trading and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of like, you know, post-Civil War, you know, characters and iconography and whatnot going on in this movie. And it's just kind of a bizarre little film. It's, um, you know, there's something Leone-esque about it, I guess you could say. I think this thing is just might just be a little bit too bizarre for its own good. Um, but you know what? I, I got to say, if you're a walking fan and you want to see something a little bit funky i got to say, you can do a lot worse than Shoot the Sundown. I can't really recommend it as being a good film. It doesn't necessarily work as a whole piece, but there's fun stuff in it that I think that if you're fans of funky takes on established genres, I think Shoot the Sundown would be an interesting little thing for you guys to check out. Uh, there's an alternate opening title sequence, and what's great about this is that it's composed and performed by Kinky Friedman. Now, Kinky Friedman, well, you love Kinky Friedman. Do I know Kinky Friedman? You know who Kinky Friedman is? I, it doesn't doesn't ring a bell. He was like a 
he was like in everything. The guy was like a, a, a songwriter and a novelist, and he had a lot of political opinions. Okay. All right. And uh, he's still around, and he was big in the 60s, big in the 70s with his political commentary. Okay. His name is Kinky. Can't beat that. And, uh, yeah, he writes and uh, performs the title song in this alternate opening that they have. Yeah. Anyway, Shoot the Sun Down is a very interesting film. It's, it's a very visually, it's funky. It's like almost like, Sir, you know what it is? It's Sergio Leone on acid. Okay. Well, speaking of that, uh, the, well, we have... Speaking from, of Sergio Leone on acid. Exactly. We have, that's a perfect transition, because from uh, VCI and Guyam Vivendi, I'm not sure how that uh, alliance worked out. And, by the way, Guyam Vivendi, of course, has now been bought by Cinedyme. So I have no idea what that will mean for some of these contracts. But uh, we have a Blu-ray release and a DVD release. I recommend the Blu-ray release because this film is so beautifully shot. Probably the only Dario Argento film I'm not going to rip on. Uh, the Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Uh, you know what? There's a, there's a lot to recommend this movie, actually. Uh, great Ennio Morricone music. Fantastic Vittorio Storaro uh, cinematography. Almost enough to save you from uh, Argento's direction, which can be really annoying at times because it's, it's almost as if uh, De Palma you know, got an injection of steroids and uh, decided to, and then, and then took, dropped acid and then uh, smoked some meth and then started directing the movie. That's how Argento's movies always look. Um... Somehow, though, this actually works because it's a pretty good story. It's about a um, uh, an American in uh, Rome who witnesses a murder and then decides to kind of try to solve it himself. And it turns out it's a serial killer, and there's a whole lot of just bizarre stuff that transpires. It's actually a very engaging thriller. I don't think it ends all that strong, but it's certainly uh, better written than anything else that Argento's ever done. So. You know, on, on that on that account alone, it's uh, it's somewhat recommended. Now, wait, didn't you uh, promise everybody some uh, listener mail? Yes, we're going to get there. We're yeah. going to get there. Yeah, just a couple more. Well, uh, we'll cut it off here after uh, some of these uh, Warner things. Is it because it's well? No, there's, there's some other stuff we got to get to real quickly. So I'll I'll we'll do the listener mail here in a moment. Uh, another Blu-ray release from Warner Archive Collection. The uh, Warner Archive Blu-ray releases are few and far between, but when they come, pay attention to them because it's always something worth get, worth checking out. Jumbo is uh, this... I, I'd, I'd almost forgotten this movie existed. Jumbo is like the original super cool elephant movie. Not Dumbo, which is animated, but this is Jumbo. It's live action. And it is a really, really wonderful movie. Uh, just a, a, a charming movie from the same year as Lawrence of Arabia, 1962, starring, get this, are you ready for this? Dean Jagger, Doris Day, Stephen Boyd, Jimmy Durante, Martha Ray. Come on. What? Doris Day and Martha Ray. You can, and, and, and Jimmy Durante. The Big Mouth. Martha Ray was the Big Mouth. I know. That's what they used to call her. She, uh, she was the villain on the Bugaloos, too. But uh, this is just a really, really wonderful, wonderful movie. Great songs. Uh, Jimmy Durante is just so lovable. The Elephant is lovable. I mean, there's just, it, it, this is fantastic. And it's beautifully directed by Charles Walters, who, of course, did Lily. Uh, the great musical. He was one of the go-to musical guys at the time. Kind of like a somewhat second-tier uh, Vincent Minnelli. And uh, this is a fantastic movie. It's fantastic. And this here's why this is so great. The original overture that has not been seen in this uh, attached to this film for 50 years has been attached. So it, it just like a classic movie of the time, it starts with an overture and then the movie starts. They also include a, a musical short called Yours Sincerely as well as a fantastic Tom and Jerry cartoon, Jerry and Jumbo. It is a great, great time at the movies to watch this. Warner Archives uh, has, done, has outdone themselves with a wonderful Blu-ray. Cannot get better than this. 
Wait, I like this movie, and I'm so glad this is finally out on Blu-ray. My name is Nobody. This is a really cool... You can say that again. What? This is a super cool 1973 Spaghetti Western, um, directed by uh, uh, Tonino Valeri, who did My Dear Killer, uh, music by Ennio Marcone. This movie, I think, is so funny. It's funny in a cool little Spaghetti Western way. It's about this gunman named Nobody, played by Terrence Hill, and he decides that he is going to try to let his idol, played by Henry Fon, who's growing old, go out like a true gunslinger on a gunslinger's terms. So he kind of like sets up a little showdown for him with this these deadly bad guys. And uh, it's got a hilarious, awesome, violent, terrific final like 20 minutes. And I think this movie's really cool. Um, and it's all about sort of like the nature of fame in the Old West and the idea that all that he's gonna like Henry Fine is gonna go out in this blaze of glory that's gonna like you know just make him even more famous than he ever was when he was alive, and I think it's cool. I really like this movie called My Name Is Nobody, and uh, there you go. Outstanding. Yep, I like it. My name is Nobody. All right, I'm gonna uh, roll through the uh, the the rest of these uh, films here, which are all um, all and definitely worth. Do listener mail. Now we're gonna do listener mail. I uh, got a couple here also from the Warner Archive Collection, DVDs that are uh, finally uh, available again. The first one is uh, a Paramount title that was previously released by Paramount, then went out of print, sold on eBay for like $500 or some craziness, and it's finally in print again, and all those people are going to feel like idiots because now they can go and grab this for like 10 or 15 bucks on uh, warnerarchive.com. It is the Assassination Bureau with Oliver Reed and Diana Rigg and Telly Savalas. And uh, this is a surprisingly cool little cult movie from director Basil Dearden, uh, made uh, early 70s uh, or late, late 60s. I think it's like 68 or 69. And uh, it's basically a 19th century group of assassins for hire who get involved in this kind of internal cat and mouse game uh, at the behest of Diana Rigg. And it's, uh, it's actually a fun little uh, late uh, 60s, early 70s kind of caper film. Period, you know, costume caper film. Uh, less impressive is Kung Fu the Movie, which stars David Carradine and Brandon Lee, apparently uh, like a mea culpa to the Lee family for the, uh, the having stolen the idea and uh, not let Bruce Lee actually star in the series that he, in, fr- quite frankly, created. Um, unfortunately, this is not all that good. This is from uh, 19, uh, like mid-1980s, 1990s, somewhere in there, 85, 6, 7, 8, 9, somewhere in that phase. And uh, doesn't it really, doesn't really work. When, it, when did Brandon Lee die? This was like two years he, before he died. Brandon Lee, I'm going to guess, why, for some reason I... Well, look at, look at the damn movie. I think, I think this is like 87. It I flashed on 93. I might be wrong. Let me check. 93. 93. So I think this is like 86 or 87. Anyway, uh, yeah, Kung Fu the movie just tries to uh, take the, uh, the TV series, you know, one step further and hopefully launch a new series. doesn't really work very well. They, they miss all the work of the great writers from the original series. Uh, the Samuel Goldwyn Collection. A lot of old Goldwyn movies uh, now are part of the Warner Brothers Library, and they're coming out on Blu-ray. And, man, do we have a couple of great ones. Never before on Blu-ray, The Bishop's Wife, Cary Grant, Loretta Young, David Niven. What a wonderful, wonderful movie this is. Uh, It was remade very badly as a Denzel Washington movie, The Preacher's Wife. 
that was not good about 10, 15 years ago. This is fantastic. Uh, this is just a wonderful movie directed by Henry Coster and uh, an absolutely charming movie, especially for the holidays coming up. And then the 1946 Best Picture winner directed by uh, William Wyler, eight Academy Awards in total, uh, The Best Years of Our Lives. An amazing film that is all about uh, soldiers coming home from World War II. Um, this is just one of the greatest American films ever made features a homecoming sequence that uh, has inspired dozens and dozens of great directors. David Lean used to rave about the homecoming sequence in this movie. He said it was some, it was arguably the best direction ever in any movie in history, that particular scene. It is wonderful. Um, really a great movie. Just a great American film, great score, uh, outstanding photography. Uh, it, just, it just doesn't get any better. The best years of our lives. Finally on Blu-ray, that is a thing to celebrate. And uh, then a couple from the uh, Cohen Film Collection. Love the people at Cohen. They are finally getting uh, a lot of these classic films out that they uh, picked up as part of the uh, Rohauer Collection. And the first one here is uh, D.W. Griffith's Intolerance, which they did an amazing restoration on. It's on Blu-ray. Just I like that. Freaking gorgeous. Freaking well, Intolerance gorgeous. was it was kind of his. Uh it's funny. People look at Intolerance like it was his mea culpa for uh, Birth of a Nation. Yeah. But in a way, it wasn't. Not really. He doubled down. Yeah, he did. He kind of doubled down. He did. Yeah. And which is bizarre because, you know, Birth of a Nation is, and I mean, I have it on Blu-ray. It's an essential, I mean, it's a horribly racist film, but it is an essential Blu-ray because it's considered like the well, it, Rosetta Stone for the film language that we know today. But uh, but I, but people thought intolerance was like a little bit like his apology for it, but I think it's, he, not. Uh, it's not. It's the not the opposite. It, it it very much is, and it's a complicated film. I mean, it takes place in you know multiple periods at the same time, and it's you know all these. He's sort of trying to invent a whole new film language uh, all over again. It's uh, really quite an extraordinary film on a lot of levels, and very very interesting and controversial. The uh, Carl Davis score is here in five point one, and it is fabulous. Uh, you get a handful of extras here as well that are all very very sharp this featurette uh, with historian uh, Kevin Brownlow who is a wonderful man wrote that amazing David Lean biography and uh, is of course a silent film expert and uh, it just it, this is this is a must have even if you've you know got any other version of it and then uh, a French film from Rene Claire The Beauty of the Devil uh, with Michel Simon and Gerard Philippe this is uh, also a must have for anybody who is a fan of great classic French cinema Rene Claire of course one of the great directors of the, uh, the 40s and 50s and uh, this is a totally remastered uh, beautifully beautifully rendered uh, deep blu-ray of a uh, kind of a, a reimagining of the Faust story that is uh, it's just gorgeously photographed it has to be on blu-ray and then from Anchor Bay, a couple from the uh, late director Mustafa Akkad, uh, so sadly deceased uh, because of you know a terrorist bombing in um, in Lebanon, I think it was, wasn't it? It was the, the big bombing in Beirut of some years ago, the hotel bomb, sure. or was it, or was it in India? I'm trying to remember which bombing it was. It was a terrorist bombing in one of the two where where he died, and uh, just absolutely tragic because he was you know an observant Muslim, and uh, he made the film The Message, which is here on Blu-ray with Anthony Quinn and Irene Pappas. Uh, this is the otherwise known as the message, the story of Islam, which is actually a really, really good film. It takes place in uh, in Mecca in the seventh century. Gets in all of the ins and outs of uh, of, of how you know Muhammad and, and Islam sort of came to be. And then Lion of the Desert, which is the film he's most known for, with Anthony Quinn, Oliver Reed, Rod Steiger, and John Gielgud. A uh, 
a very, very good film with an amazing Maurice Jarre score that has to be uh, heard in the context of the film to be fully appreciated. And uh, this, of course, is uh, you know a, uh, based on an actual event that took place in 1929 when uh, Mussolini was was fighting Bedouins, and uh, it gets it gets into some pretty intense political. Uh, machinations from that period but still beautifully done great photography by jack hilliard one of the great all-time british dps and um that's a terrific blu-ray as well so the two from uh, mustafa Khan, the message and lion of the desert excellent films all mark it's time for listener mail do you have do you have an in for listener mail no oh okay well never mind here we go <laughs> first is from uh, dave strominger says uh, when i was a kid one of my favorite tv shows was head of the class uh, it was successful enough to run for five seasons, had a spinoff, Billy, but there's never been any news of a DVD release. Do you guys have any idea why? I know a lot of shows are held up by music rights, but I can't imagine that's an issue here. It seems that the show has been forgotten. Uh, okay, here's the best answer that I could give him, uh, which was that um, Warner Brothers Television, and you have to sort of go to all the, the companies with these, uh, Warner Brothers Television has really been, they've kind of thrown a lot of things at DVD, and some of them stick, and some of them don't, and uh, some of the stuff that doesn't stick, they just release on uh, Warner Archive. And the when you look at a lot of the stuff that did not stick, there are some, I mean, like Murphy Brown, you know, there, there, there haven't been any further Murphy Brown episodes after a few seasons released. I mean, it, it's very strange how they, how they do this. So my guess is that that will wind up eventually a manufacturer on demand through Warner Archive. Uh, but who knows? You know, there are other bigger series that they obviously have to, uh, have to deal with first. And that just seems to be one that's falling between the cracks. It might wind up even on like Netflix or something streaming might be easier for them to just go no package media with that. Uh, and then Joseph Thornton says, Mark and Wade, uh, with all the talk about great films, it's only natural to assume that most of your listeners and most likely yourselves take your delivery methods of said films very seriously. How do you watch your films, specifically at home? Do you have LCD, plasma? You regularly trash 3D. Do you have a 3D TV? I recently picked up a 3D 1080p projector. Uh, do you have theater rooms? Projection, 7151. You get the idea. Bore me with the details. Mark, you want to talk about your uh, home theater scenario? I have a man cave. Yes. My man cave has uh, uh, 5.1. Yep. My man cave is painted red, so it looks like a movie theater. Mm-hmm. It has nice. a, it has the uh, the plasma mounted on the uh, on the wall, and uh, it's rock and roll. I love it. It is. I I, ha- I will vouch for that. Mark's man cave is very nice. Uh, it's I, painted red like a movie theater. It is. Have painted I mentioned red. that? It's very sweet. Uh, I've got a uh, I've got a seventy inch Sharp and uh, Elite Television with a, a basically a living room that that doubles as a home theater with a complete five point one NHT setup. I prefer it to seven point one, which I think is overkill because I've got a couple of uh, NHT. The rear speakers are mounted in the ceilings and they're. They're amazing NHT speakers. So they basically do the work uh, that you would get with if you had a 7.1 with actual speakers sitting down next to you. But because they're ceiling mounted and they're, you know, multidirectional, really, really great stuff. So uh, that's it. And I use uh, – what, what's your Blu-ray? What Blu-ray player do you use? I still use, use your I PS3. Still use my PS3. Yeah, I use – And, and when, when, it, when the PS4 comes out, I'll get that too. I, I've got an – I use a Marantz, but I've also got an Oppo. And uh, the Marantz just happens to work with the Marantz receiver that I've got. But, uh, you know, it's – uh, there, that's that's it. And you know what we should do? We should do a little video one of these days of uh, of your setup and my setup, and just kind of make that available to the people on the Facebook page. Why I like not? that idea. You like that idea? Yes, I do. Let's do, do that. Here's what I like even more. What? Read one more letter, then we're done. Okay. 
All right, here goes. This is from, uh, let's see, one, one more. This is, uh, yeah, Walter Gass, longtime listener, Walter Gass. Hello, Digigods. Listening to episode 308, Wade just made the really bad soap Spencer for Hire joke and got me thinking, where the hell is Spencer for Hire? I love that show and would really enjoy seeing it again. Why has it never made its way to DVD? Also, uh, anybody seen Don John? Any good? Mark, did you see Don John? Uh, I did not. Yeah. I cannot tell a lie. I did not. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we just have too good. much to see. Too much to see. And I feel like if I'm not going to vote for it at this point, I'm not going to see it. Well, here's the deal on Spencer for Hire. It was released uh, years and years and years and years ago by Ryko Disc, and uh, Ryko no longer exists. That also, as aforementioned, was a Warner television show. And uh, that's going to run into some of the same problems that we just talked about, which is that uh, Warner Brothers has all of these shows, the rights of which have probably reverted to them, and nobody else wants to release them, or else they don't see any value in releasing them themselves. So they are slowly, slowly exploring what shows should be part of the packaged media releases and what shows should be part of their Warner Archive releases, which also you know they make available for streaming and so forth. Warner Brothers is not doing a great job, I don't think, of exploiting the um, the streaming end of things you know they pulled a lot of those licenses back from netflix to try to make it do their own streaming thing but you know if you have to go i mean when somebody it's one thing to say i'm going to pay a certain amount every month and uh you know i get to watch these shows but i mean are you really going to go and seek out different shows in nine different places and then pay you know three four five bucks uh at a time for a series for an episode or for a, for a season it just becomes unwieldy. You have to go looking for the stuff. It's much easier if you go to one place and then it kind of finds you. But then, which who's, is, but then who's going to be the who's going to be that one place? Well, and, and Netflix it, seems to be the place that is making the best case for it. But if everybody starts pulling their licenses back because they don't want to actually have to share the wealth with with Netflix, I don't know. Then it, then it becomes kind of a Mexican standoff. But so. then again, but but it's like if you don't want to go searching for stuff, and I don't blame you if you don't. You want to work with Netflix because it's almost like 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing. Yeah, I know. Because if you work with Netflix, yeah, you'll get less, but at least you, you might get less in terms of selling those rights to Netflix. But yeah. you can keep the rights yourself, but no one's going to be able to find Spencer for Hire on Warner Brothers Archive dot whatever, and no one's really going to seek it out. The thing with Netflix is that you wind up flipping through and seeing what's available, and then you sort of stumble on it, and you think, wow, I haven't seen that in years. Let's check that mm. out. That's a lot of what Netflix is. True. You know, and I don't think these other, these other, you know, smaller like uh, Amazon Prime or the Warner Archives. Yeah. I think I think it's a, it's a different user experience. Netflix is very much of a grazer experience. You look around, yeah. you see what's new, you see what's out there, you get excited about something you haven't seen for a while, yeah. you put it in your queue. That's how you experience Netflix. These other ones, you don't experience it like that. And then lastly, let, let me just do one more here because this is relevant. Chevelle Dixon, longtime listener, uh, said, I've been following the awards race and uh, read some tweets uh, for Christopher Tarpley saying that Wolf of Wall Street may be moved to 2014. Uh, the film was allegedly a little behind schedule and uh, uh, I'm sure it would do well financially and critically. I like DiCaprio. hope he gets award success from this. And it's Scorsese, so I know it'll be good. Hopefully it gets back on schedule. Well, as, as of, uh, what, about four or five days ago... It, it was finally fixed for a... Because it was kind of on the bubble. But so many films have been moved to next year, including the, the Clooney film, uh, that uh, everyone's kind of starting to see what, what uh, will shake out. And I guess they've got this on track enough to be able to say that they will release it on Christmas Day. Christmas. It's Christmas Day release. But they have not told us whether or not it will be ready in time for us to see for voting. 
So it's possible, because we've had instances like that in the past where films have not been ready for us to see for our voting, where they, they, wouldn't, even, they wouldn't even show us you know, what they had. So it's possible that Scorsese may not make our voting for December 8th, but um, at least it, it is set for this year. And that's a good thing. It is a good thing. Because any, any Scorsese film will enliven your holiday season. Because <laughs> well, what you don't want is to have it come out in February. No, for sure. Which is why The Monuments Man, the Clooney film, concerns me a little bit that that's now set for a first quarter release next year. And, and a couple of other movies have been bumped to next year, too. That's not a good thing. Like the, uh, the, um, uh, the Prince's Grace thing. Which is, you know, uh, now that's shaping up to be a battle between Olivia Don, the director, and, and Harvey Marvin. Weinstein. So, I mean, there are a few of those things that have shifted. And yet, the Diana movie, which is apparently not that good, is coming out this year. So, Well, the, the Diana film actually opened, limited, and tanked. It tanked in it the opened, UK. It opened in 36 theaters. And yeah. get this. Oh, it opened in 36 theaters. It's per screen average, $1,900. It's just unreal. That's, Wow. Wait, I think we're done. We are done. All right, that's it. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with more fun and frolic. And then we will be taking the Thanksgiving week off. What? Yes, we will be off for Thanksgiving. And then we will be back on uh, the following week with our mega, mega annual holiday gift guide show. So uh, that'll be the first week in December. And uh, so we got lots of fun stuff coming up. And man, that I'll tell you, the the stuff uh, that's been showing up for the gift guide is pretty great. So uh, it's going to be a fun my show. Shows of the year. It's going to be a fun show. We got some giveaways for that show. We, I, I have lined up some amazing giveaways. We have a giveaway for uh, this show too. Oh yeah, that's the, right. We the do. Uh, little plush thing. Be yeah. the first person on the Facebook page to say I want plush thing or have give me plush been? thing or plush plush thing. Uh, you will. You will. You can only email us. You can only post that on Facebook when yes. you see the photo of the plush thing. Go to the plush thing. All right. You can't just like. Give us a Facebook message saying, give me there plush you thing. you got to see the photo. That's it. Respond to the photo with give me plush thing. There you and go. And it'll be yours. Totally. All right. With that, we are out. See you next week.